This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another episode of Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. This week, we've got Lolark Vision. We've got Emmanuel on the show today. I, I can tell Emmanuel's going to be a good guest. He's uh, he, he's Greek. And, you know, one thing that I've always found with Greek people is that they're just a good time. So, Emmanuel, welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, <laughs> uh, Wildcatters so audience. I hope you're not going to take the cutter and cut me wildly <laughs> during <laughs> we this show. We, I have my host, so... I'll let him ask the first question. All right. Tell me uh, tell me a little bit of what is Lolark Vision. Tell me the high level, and we're going to start diving into this. Uh, first of all, I would start with the name. Lolark is a Sanskrit word, and it means the sun that is rising in the morning, just hovering over the horizon. And okay. because the horizon in India is just as south as the horizon in the United States, the South United States, where we are, where our lovely oil and gas industry is based, <coughs> all that is uh, orange. Okay. That's why, hence, the, our logo is inspired. Got you. Yeah, I'm looking at the logo here right now uh, as, as you're talking. And so, so that means Lolak. Now, the next thing is the vision, and we work with vision applications. And if in a nutshell I want to describe the company, we don't just do one thing. We are the Swiss knife of imaging and video. Okay. So we do, we have a software that can be adapted in many different aspects and applications. Okay. So uh, it's a it platform, sounds- not just one piece of software. So- an imaging enhancement platform? We, is that- we don't only do enhancement. We help to dig the useful information out of images. When, first of all, you know, uh, let's say you have a hazy picture. Yeah. And a couple of days ago, we had lots of rain. I was driving to school. The visibility was very, very low. People were driving slowly. Well, Lollark Vision Technology can help you view more clearly even through that hazy interesting interesting uh yeah so i'm reading your website here as you're talking and it says that uh many imaging operations are performed in bad visibility conditions leading to poor scene perception by humans and machines so some common examples are uh you know when you're talking about uh, uh, driving conditions, it was probably you know uh, autonomous vehicles and, and remotely operated course, vehicles. Yes. And yeah. so, um, let's talk about one. Um, w- we can go into autonomous vehicles here in a bit because I'm I'm, yeah, I'm really, I'm really big on that. But uh, but gas, like remotely yes. operated vehicles is something that's uh, applicable to the oil and gas industry. And mm-hmm. so, how are you guys using this uh, in in industry? Um, we haven't Sorry. used the industry yet. We're, as, uh, we, we're not going to develop a standalone application for autonomous vehicles. What we want to do to be a plug-in, because people have a perception that you know artificial intelligence can now solve every problem on the planet. That's absolutely not true. I had a, an example 
last night at 11.30, now, now it's going to tail part, the Greek part, <laughs> uh, but the tale is not a tale, it's a true story actually. <laughs> uh, student starts texting me frantically uh, in about 11 p.m. on Microsoft Teams and telling me, oh, I did some experiments and the results are not coming good. Uh, they're not coming as the first results we had, which were stellar. Now I changed the training set, as you told me, and the test set. And what I did is basically I took, tw let's say, 20 images from the training set and threw them on the test set and took an equal number of images from the test set and put them in the training set. I kind of reshuffled the deck of cards. And that gave tremendously different results. What does that mean? That what we built and we were proud of was not robust. Same thing with artificial intelligence. Now, how much do you value your life? What is your acceptable risk? I put you in a car and I tell you, I put you on a plane and I tell you, look, I'm going to buy you to give you a free first class ticket. You're going to eat lobster. You're going to eat steak, the best steak ever on 30,000 feet. But there is a 2% chance of this plane crashing because, you know, we've got a few things with our algorithms that we haven't sorted out and if the pilots overcome the problem, it's okay. But if not, you know, you're going to die. <laughs> Are you going to get the free ticket? It's 2%. I don't know if I like steak and lobster that much. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. So you will not. Okay. So when we talk about self-driving vehicles or autonomous vehicles in general, uh, we have to minimize the risk. And the risk will come when the conditions over which the system has been trained, has been used to, are unconventional. Mm -hmm. And this is going to happen only very few times in your life. Mm -hmm. The system will not encounter very often. will encounter once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime. This is what we try to make it more easy for the system to discern and dig out the information that is needed and at least say, hey, I see a risk here. You, the human, should try to take over and I can give you a better visual if you really want to take over. And that's exactly what our technology does. It cleans up the image to reduce the variability that takes the system out of its trained parameters. This is... Really interesting to me. Um, very curious how the technology works. You know, I'm trying to get a, uh, I'm trying to kind of get a mental image uh, painted here. But before we do that, let's talk about your background. Um, my background is mathematics. I'm a professor of mathematics. My PhD and my bachelor's degree are in mathematics. I started my career as a theoretical mathematician. I always claim I'm a theoretical mathematician that always does a lot of applications. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself applied mathematician. Uh, well, you know, this is a, a this is a term I coined so, so, he, to he, the <laughs> general audience before they shut the door on my face and they say, oh, if you're not applied, you're not good for us. It's not white and black. 
There's all tons of grain between. And a good theoretical mathematician who understands the difficulty and the challenge of applications is a very good mathematician to work with. And that led to low arc vision. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you see this in petroleum engineering, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of smart kids that come out of school in engineering, and they're extremely smart from a theoretical perspective. But then when it actually comes to application out in the field, there's a disconnect, and the good ones are the ones that can bridge that gap. So it's a spectrum more than binary black and white, right? And so Yeah, this is why we have to train them, and this is why it's important also that uh, in the in in all industries, you need to have bosses at all levels that understand the technical aspects. Mm-hmm. And this is one problem we've seen very clearly with BP and Deepwater Horizon. The upper echelons had people who were looking only at spreadsheets and did not understand the engineering risk. And this is something that I don't believe should be happening at any type of company, from a small one to a big one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree with you on that. So background, PhD, mathematician. Um, tell me about how you got to Lillard today. When did you start the company? How did you come up with the idea in the technology? Uh, the idea came from uh, actually the problem. I first encountered the problem uh, of illumination, variability, and also poor illumination, poor you know imaging conditions. When I was working with a group at the University of Houston on uh, a defense advanced research project, actually it was an intelligence advanced research project uh, on facial recognition. And in facial recognition is, uh, you know, uh, you put a hoodie on your face and all of a sudden we have a shade, right? Where we actually need to pick up most of the information, your eyes and your eyebrows. Mm-hmm. This, is the, this is where basically 80% of the recognition is going to come. Uh, in, or you put a pair of sunglasses, dark sunglasses, slightly big, so they cover all this area. Those are called occlusions. Uh, I would stick with just, you know, a shade on your face, like the one the hoodie uh, casts. When you have this kind of problem, the algorithm is thrown off entirely. And many commercial algorithms are thrown off. That's why they ask you, look at the camera straight, because they want to pinch into into your eyes to get what we call a frontal. Mm-hmm. Once we move a little bit off the frontal face, like this, like that, like that, face recognition doesn't work. It's prone to mistakes. Mm-hmm. And even very advanced algorithms are prone to mistakes. I was isolated for some reason the problem of illumination because we submitted a paper. Over in the paper, I made a thesis that I couldn't support theoretically. And then the paper came back and said, well, that's a good idea, but um, it's too heuristic. So they rejected the paper. The referees didn't like it. And I didn't like the decision, but I understood that the decision was fair because we didn't elaborate. So I started digging with another graduate student 
come up with that problem, and then we developed an entire theory of what is what we would call illumination neutralization. And what is illumination neutralization? I want to make an image that is independent of the illumination conditions. So here, you, you know, you have a nice video. Look, you got light there, light there, light up here. So you try to create ambient uniform illumination. But what if this guy goes off? There will be a shade here. And how do we compensate? We actually extract an image that compensates for that loss and makes it as close to an image that would be taken under the uniform illumination conditions. And this is this is a signature image. It's not going to be something that you're going to like it. You look you would look like a, a, as if Van Gogh had painted you. <laughs> but what would Van Gogh did would do? Would pick the important parts, the important characteristics of your face that you know for him would make an artistic impression. But for a system, the way we make it, a, a, a face recognition system or another system they would make critical importance in identifying what's there, the objects that are in the scene, as we call it. Have you ever seen, uh, I love the, the Van Gogh uh, reference, because have you ever seen the uh, the Picasso's bull painting? And it, yes. I don't yeah. know if it's the essence of the bull, but it's essentially it's, uh -huh. it's, it's this abstract of a bull. It's very start, abstract, but you can yeah. understand that it's a bull. But yeah, yes. he starts He yeah. starts with a very yeah. detailed drawing of a bull, and then by the ninth iteration, it's just the elements of the bull that make you see it, but it's completely stripped off. And so- No, uh, we don't do the Picasso, the but uh, what essentially we do a more faithful Van Gogh to reality uh, we're not expressionists in the way we restore images. <laughs> we're rather realists, yeah. but we accentuate the lines. And we accentuate even the lines that are hidden inside the image. For example, when there is fog, when there is uh, uh, steam, when there is uh, when there are, when there's darkness or when there is rain or when you're underwater in hazy waters, just as the ones we have in Galveston. And actually our first application, our first market product, which is ready, now we're presenting it to uh, groups of naval architects. So we can get uh, third party certifications for the uh, effectiveness of the product when we have to do underwater inspections of marine assets mm -hmm. and there's oil and gas has lots of marine assets yeah absolutely i love the way that you uh you frame this for me personally because you know you mentioned in our studio we have controlled lighting in here we've put a lot of thought and time into how do we get the lighting right and so um you know i, I was thinking i was like what well, can this technology be used to enhance you know our video on our podcast, uh -huh. and you're like, no, it doesn't work like that. It, it's pulling up, you know, structural uh, lines and things of mm -hmm. that nature. And so, okay, boom, it kind of frames uh, that for me. When I was in, I was in Las Vegas, I think uh, three years ago. It was right before COVID, and the uh, Lyft uh, cars there. Um, you get on the Lyft app and it says, "Hey, do you want to take an autonomous vehicle?" And I'm like, "Hell yeah, I want to take an autonomous vehicle." I would and walk. Yeah. <laughs> I would crawl on my belly. I took one three times. 
I took one. I got in one three times, and it's kind of cool. So you know, they had they had human drivers in there, one in the driver's seat, one in the passenger seat, and then they got a computer in the trunk that's uh, processing all mm-hmm. this information. But you can see uh, they got a screen put up, and you can see what the uh, what the car is uh, is seeing. And so, um, uh, look, uh, let me be fair with autonomous vehicles. I don't worry really to discredit the work. Uh, to be so dismissive uh, with just a stroke of a pen. Mm-hmm. to the work of many people who are smart, actually. Autonomous vehicles will work well when you have clear GPS signal because they know the positioning. You don't have many intersections because the more intersections you have, the more likely is the, the more likely it becomes to mm-hmm. have you know a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation of what the system sees, and you have good illumination conditions. Yeah. So don't take them in the night. Yeah. They're not constructed for that. The algorithms are not there yet. Yeah. We the- actually do offer uh, <clears throat> the system with some modification because I said it's a Swiss knife, but you know the Swiss knife has many different knives for many different applications. So we, for, for every domain of application, we have to tweak our platform mm-hmm. and make it more custom for that application yeah you have to make it yeah. custom 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 made for, that, custom made for that specific yes yeah that's why our application is a plugin and not a standalone yeah so we can go to lift and tell them okay look you got to drive in the night okay and you want autonomous vehicles in the night but you don't want to make mishaps okay mm-hmm. you don't want to have accidents uh, therefore you need to improve the system, how it takes the information. And uh, if you use our software, before you throw the information to the computer, then the software will help, will help you see what is in the night that is not really very visible mm-hmm. um, by classical solutions. So you brought up subsea uh, marine use, yes. which obviously oil and gas, and uh, I mean energy as a whole. I mean offshore wind farms are becoming a big thing, as well. Um, and so lots of uh, remote operated vehicles. Um, and you know I've never personally dealt with the imaging uh, from from those vehicles, so I'm not sure the challenges that they run into. But I'm sure even divers know, face challenges. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go. Let, let's say. You have, uh, at this point, you have, let's say, 10,000 railway uh, bridges and overpasses Yeah. in the United States. How do we inspect them? Well, we don't really inspect them very well, or we don't know what happens about inspections because that's all up to the companies, but they are all in murky water. Mm-hmm. So the way to do the job is to start, first of all, with what we call side sonar uh, in the side sonar will do a high level approach of the inspection but then you want to see structurally details because you've seen some strange areas in the sonar or there are areas in the sonar that you're not going to get any imaging at all because of thermal changes or because of turbulence in the water mm-hmm. sonar is very volatile to that especially when you go to high definition sonar then we come there. But what the sonar has done is that has limited, has narrowed the domain of inspection. 
because even if we go in that water, we're basically testing our product at a super extreme limits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're you in the Mississippi River, you put your hand there and everything away from your elbow has disappeared. Yeah, you can't see it. You <laughs> can't see it. Okay, you can't see it. Now, uh, if if your eye can see here, I guarantee that the camera, because it has more optical sensor, will see here. Mm-hmm. And will make it, if the camera can see here, will make the camera see all the way to your microphone and probably even further. Okay. That's but, exactly what we do. We yeah. expand and we within the certain within a certain range, let's say here, yeah. you're going to see us clearly and you won't feel, hey, I'm not in the Mississippi all of a sudden. Yeah. It looks clear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested um, just kind of diving into oil and gas applications. I saw some guys the other day online uh they're all posting images of their FLIR cameras and using uh mm-hmm. infrared to monitor methanes and some of them are complaining about you really have to use it at a certain time of day um to, to get better results and so a lot of companies are using imaging for whether it's uh pipeline leaks or methane detection uh does lolark vision have any applications in, yes in we those? can apply our technology if we customize it Mm-hmm. And we can customize it for every camera. And well, I, I had some research discussions with FLIR um, when I was doing, uh, when I was submitting some proposals. We had some, uh, uh, we had support from FLIR, uh, but we never got into this particular. Uh, type of application, but yes, we can customize the product to be able, when you basically, you're confused, why do you use a certain infrared to see the methane? Mm-hmm. Because the methane has a signature on a particular wavelength and the camera is a, is tuned to catch that wavelength. But some other imaging conditions like, you know, darkness or humidity may make it not very visible. I tell you, the information is there. We don't create information out of nothing. We're not magicians. (laughs) We retrieve information that the human eye or the camera cannot pick it up clearly enough for you to see it in an an ambiguous way. That's what we do. That's what we do. We remove the ambiguity. And you will be able to see it. Now, I would love to work with these people uh, I would love to come in contact and talk to them and, you know, exchange information and get data from them and see what we can do. Yeah. We yeah. can customize an application for them. You know, one thing that you just brought up there, you know, one of my favorite things about science is that there's so many things that humans can't see or smell or feel or touch any oh, of yeah, our senses, yeah. you know, and that's why we're able to use tools to discover things that, mm-hmm. um, that we're not able to pick up on. And so I think that's a, a, a very cool thing to be able to enhance video to where we can pick up on those things. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of, you know, I'll ask you this question. What's, what's your, you know, if you had to pick like one thing that you're most excited to apply the technology to, because I think about like the uses and space travel and things and things of that nature that, 
these types of technologies can help uh, humans get a better uh, picture of what we're actually dealing with. What's your, uh, you know, what gets you most excited about the applications of the tech? Uh, I wouldn't go far out on the universe. Um, you know, there's a universe hidden in us here, our neural system. And our neural system uh, has not been investigated uh, thoroughly because uh, a type of microscopes we now use to be able to check live neural cells, the confocal, the laser microscopes, there are different types, confocal, multi-photon, uh, bright field, all of those. But they, are, they use laser to excite the tissue and the tissue reflects back to us, pretty much like what the dermatologists do where they scan you with this uh, violet light and they see lesions or spots on the skin. Similar thing, that's called fluorescence. We can, we have used our technology on that and we're actually experimenting. We haven't done something definite or finalized, but uh, we, we see that sometimes in live animals like rats, what we have to uh, examine over and over and over because we try to see what are the triggers, the genetic triggers of, uh, uh, of autism or of addiction. What are the keys that hold the key to addiction? What are the, what are the genetics or what is the neural structure? or how the neural structure responds when we have addiction. These are things that we can only test on live tissue. We cannot test it on non-live tissue because once you kill the animal, the lab animal, it's gone. Yeah. You, you're stopped there. You have a fossil. You have a statue. You cannot learn how to operate on a Greek statue. This is that's a really fascinating. And our technology sometimes helps to bring up the cells that are not clearly visible, and most of times, the uh, the pathologists discard completely because oh, I'm not gonna count this. Why don't you count this in the count? It's a cell. Oh yeah, it's a cell, but I don't see it very well. Well, we can help you see it better. Oh really? That's a really fascinating answer <laughs> to me. Um, I'm fascinated by the the human brain and how little we actually know about it. And even over the last 10 to 15 years, I mean, our understanding of how the brain operates, um, you know, it used to be I don't know how that, much time we have because, you know, I can go on and on and on. Go on. Go on. I can give you, if you don't have anybody for a podcast, I can offer a podcast every week. You know, yeah. I can talk a lot. We may have to That's give, what may sometimes have to give you a I do podcast. For living, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just think that, uh, you know, the, the discovery of what's on this planet is still, I mean, mind boggling. It's funny. I, I tell a story mm -hmm. every once in a while, but I was working with a, um, scientist from Shell. Um, he was in Shell's reach, uh, uh, research and development uh, department in the Netherlands, and he had created this tool. And um, he was a aerospace engineer. And I was sitting there, and we're in the galley, and we're eating lunch. And 
I just asked him, I'm like, hey, why are you why are you working on oil wells instead of working on, you know, rockets and, and spaceships? Like I'm fascinated by space. And he gave me an answer that's always stuck with me. He's like, in space, you can see what you're working on. He's like, in oil and gas, he's like, you can't see what you're working on. It's yeah. so much more challenging. He's like, I like, I like working on this planet. And I just thought that was like it kind of like oh, it's yeah. stuck something yeah. in me. I'm like, yeah, we still have so much to discover on on our planet. And now we're starting to develop the technologies that can help us see better and understand mm -hmm. better. Understand better and also sense. Um, you know, I'll go back to oil and gas, but that's not something that my company does. Um, there are, you know, you, when you drill, you have so many sensors. Mm -hmm. And all of those sensors come, give you a lot of information. Sometimes information are, is useful. Some other times information is not useful. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's very important to see what is the combination of different pieces of information. Humans can connect dots, but if they get inputs from three different sensors or four different sensors at a time, they get stuck because the brain is going to start attacking the problem that came first. That might not be the important one. Perhaps the sensor that came forth is providing the critical information, but that by itself may not be the most critical. But if you combine the first three and the fourth, then you understand criticality. Sometimes the brain cannot pick that quickly enough to avoid the deep water horizon. That's why artificial intelligence is good because computers can learn to make those connections much faster than our brain because they work on electronics. Our brains are, they have an evolution that has worked for millions of years and can never take the speed of a computer, but we can do a lot more connections that a computer cannot make because it has not been taught to make. Artificial intelligence is not smarter than your dog when you tell it, be there and not be on my couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. That's I, why we say you train the system, you don't educate the system. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, all, all fascinating. We're gonna have to record some more podcasts. Just kind of yeah. uh, going, going, going uh, deep I, on I, I, artificial I would like intelligence. To to just be able to have some time to just tell a few things about our Lolark vision and the vision of Lolark. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I was gonna ask you uh, real quick. Is you know when did you guys start this and what is what is the vision? Oh, it started the the face recognition project, which basically triggered a lot of the research. Started eight years ago. Uh, and then about five years ago, we finished a PhD with my student. Uh, and that's where we did what we actually put in a mathematical formulation, what we actually have today as a product. And it took us time and experimentation to develop uh, this uh, into a software package. Mm -hmm because it's a very demanding software package, the concept to apply it is, 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 is reasonable. You know, once you solve every pro a problem, then you say, oh, was that so easy? I didn't expect it to be so easy. But before you solve it, it's just 
<laughs> Being a 120-year-old man and do 30 push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. Uh, so after we solved it, then we had to deal with a lot of practical problems because you have high information exchange. We have 1080p videos, one incoming, one processed, and both have to be displayed synchronously at 30 frames per second. Mm-hmm. And the, the the lag from the camera time till we saw it on the screen, both of them, the clarified and the original, is just 10 milliseconds, roughly, which is very fast. Yes. Now, this is not a theoretical problem. We, we didn't make any great science doing that. That's, you know, computer engineering. Software engineering, I would say, good software engineering, but it takes time to do it. Oh, yeah. There are so many things you need to iron. So uh, last year, when we were close to having a product, we actually had a prototype. The prototype was working at a slower speed, 24 frames per second, and at a lower resolution, 720p. Then we started Lolark Vision as a corporation. Uh, we started it and... It, we made the corporation, uh, the paperwork, we filed the paperwork after we had gotten confirmation from Start Engine, which is a, a crowdfunding, mm-hmm. equity crowdfunding yeah. uh, platform, that they, they would love to take us on. Mm-hmm. And actually, we had very good reception. So we're still raising. We have 13 days to go in this race. Oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, so whoever wants, you can go to start engine and then after you put the slash, just type Lolark, L-O-L-A-A-R-K. It right. will take you to the page and you can invest. Awesome. Invest today and because Lolark is a technology company which makes platforms for many verticals. We don't manufacture that pen only. We manufacture the concept of a pen. So we can make as many pens as you want, as many types as you want. So really for you guys, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's autonomous vehicles, whether it's energy industry, mm-hmm. agriculture, you guys want to be the underlying platform. Uh, our, our, our product has been, uh, is actually ready. We basically do the beta right now. And that's why we have very limited distribution because mm-hmm. we want to see also how companies are using it. Companies need to be educated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works with uh, coaxial cables. And we have it for uh, available for divers and for ROVs as well, which awesome. use 1080p cameras. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, when you're talking about matching up uh, frame rates and things, even when you're recording a podcast, if you have two different cameras <laughs> and frame rates are off, like oh. editors start chewing you out because they're like, hey, this doesn't match up. And so I imagine when you're using, you know, real-time video for autonomous vehicles or whatever it is, I mean, the, that problem extrapolates times a thousand uh-huh. and becomes so much harder. So uh, we, we appreciate some of the uh, video issues around here when we know <laughs> about them. So, all right, guys. If you want to check out Lolark, uh, just give them a, a Google search. We'll put a link in the uh, in the uh, uh, show notes, and then also 
uh, got a few days left, a couple of weeks left on a capital raise on Start Engine, which uh, I know I don't know the folks over at Start Engine. Um, so check that out too. I'm gonna go check it out today. Um, so by the time you're getting this here in a few days, um, you'll you'll have about a week and a half left uh, to go check that out. So Manuel, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me here, guys. Yeah, it, thank you. It was nice. Yes, that's a, yeah, I told you. I told you this is good. This is good. Manuel's a professor, so he's like, okay, what do I need prepared? I was like, hey, we're just coming in here and freestyle on this, so it's not. Uh, so, yeah. so you're so you're professor. <laughs> All right, guys. If you like this episode, episode, make sure to share it with a friend. Uh, share it on LinkedIn. Helps us out a lot um, to get the word out for oil and gas startups. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Come, 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 come.